begin with a, a couple words of encouragement. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't know where you're at in life. If you have by faith walked with the Lord for many years, let me encourage you that the joy of the Lord is your strength and you can ever grow in it. It'll never run dry. You'll never exhaust the joy of the Lord. You'll never exhaust learning more about Him and experiencing Him. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but you're struggling to hold on to the hope of Jesus Christ. For hope is the conduit which joy must go through. Joy doesn't come any other way but hope properly placed in Jesus Christ. And let me encourage you, if you're struggling with trial, temptation, whatever it may be, the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you've come here and you've never experienced the joy of the Lord as your strength, let me say to you that God's grace is available to all who ask. Joy comes by grace. Grace is given from the hand of God and the hand of God alone. Let me encourage you to accept that grace today. Who knows, maybe in His great mercy He will open your hearts and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. We need to encourage one another in this truth that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Think about it, all the conversations you have every day. How many times you tell people, joy of the Lord is your strength. Peace be with you. Hallelujah, there's a Savior. He reigns in heaven above. Not often. Don't come up in everyday conversation much, does it? No, it doesn't. So let, let's do this. Let us encourage one another in the word of the Lord that the joy of the Lord is indeed our strength. Turn to the person on your right and left and tell them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> right on. Right on. You're going to need that. You see, we're going into the, tis the season to be jolly. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Where the joy of the Lord comes from. True joy comes from the hand of God. That's why it's called the joy of the Lord. <laughs> it's not a joy that you, you get doing some sort of mysterious chant or going on a faraway travel. That joy comes from God, is given by God, is sustained by God, because that joy is God. Joy must be personified. That means a person must be our joy. So much so that God thought, well, you know something? I'll become a man. And I'll live for them. And I'll die for them. And I'll rise for them. All to the glory of God the Father. That's good news. That's good news. Now we read over and over in the Bible how God supplies joy. Here's a couple examples. Now, if you have a Bible and you're really fast, you'll be able to keep up with me. If you don't have a Bible and you're not really fast, I'll read slow. Alright? The first verse, Psalm 4-7. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. Here the psalmist says, You, God... You, God, have filled my heart with greater joy. 
So we see God as the agent who fills people. Psalm 30, verse 11. This one has a couple instances. Psalm 30, verse 11. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Sackcloth was a, um, a, an outward expression of an inward sorrow or repentance. And people used to throw dust on themselves and wear this old raggedy burlap bag that signified, you know, repentance, sorrow, mourning. God, it says here, will take our wailing and, and get us dancing. Now, personally, I would like God to touch me so I could dance. I can't dance. I want to dance. I can feel it sometimes. I mean, I'm right there. But I stop, thank God. <laughs> you remove my sackcloth. You clothe me with joy. The last example, Psalm 1611. Now, Psalm 1611 states the idea of God as the provider of joy as well as the person of joy. Okay? So God not only gives the joy, but He, he is the joy that He gives. It says in Psalm 16, verse 11, You have made known to me the path of life. Beautiful. You will fill me with joy in Your presence. With eternal pleasures at Your right hand. Oh, we see that God fills us with the joy that comes from Him. And He fills us with the joy in His presence. Don't ever assume on that, people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Not everyone who goes on that day and stands before the throne and says, Lord, Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He's going to look at some and say, I didn't know you. I didn't know you. For many will stand in the presence of God boy of any joy, joy, bound over to the wrath of God. It is by grace that God fills you with a joy for Himself. If He didn't, we couldn't stand in His presence. Ask yourself, are you endeavoring by faith to enter the joy of the Lord as your strength? At this point you say, John, I don't even know what the joy of the Lord is. <laughs> I mean, it's cool and everything. It sounds like you're really impressed by it, kind of passionate even. But I don't know what it is, John. Let me say, if we're to experience the joy of the Lord, it will be in accordance with and submission to His Word. It will be in accordance with and submission to His Word. By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's important. And the Holy Spirit conforms us to the will of God. That is the way God thinks, the way God moves, the way God speaks, the way God acts. The Holy Spirit conforms us to that. That's why we pray. That's why we use Scriptures to shape our understanding. So we must rightly discern what the joy of the Lord is. For that, we'll examine the Lord's Prayer. Now, you should be able to keep up with me in the, the Bible now. We're going to go to Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Now, I'll jump around, but you guys can stay right there. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. What is the joy of the Lord? Well, first thing you've got to ask yourself, I guess, is, John, why are you using the Lord's Prayer to tell us what the joy of the Lord is? That doesn't make any sense. 
Who's teaching us to pray? Jesus, God, Holy Spirit. You can never get it wrong. Jesus, God, Holy Spirit. Jesus. Jesus is teaching us to pray in this passage. Last time I checked, Jesus isn't going to give us no funky, non-glorifying prayer to pray to God. In fact, I get the sneaking suspicion that the very prayer that Jesus is praying or teaching us to pray is the very life that he lives for us and will live through us by faith. Check this out. It's pretty cool. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The joy of the Lord is that we have relationship with the Father and with one another. I mean, you, you must have heard this somewhere in your, your learnings of Christianity. The first two words, our Father, that signifies a family. <laughs> Children living under the Father. That's good news. The joy of the Lord is that we have relationship with the Father and with one another. Jesus expresses that in the first two words, our Father. He doesn't say, my Father, who art in heaven, burn him. <laughs> he says, our Father. He is our brother. He's our King and our Savior. But He says, our Father. The joy of the Lord is the hallowing of God's name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. God's name is not a name to be used before the word Damn it. God's name is not to be used at the end of a sentence to trivialize something or to show exclamation. But in the same token, God's name is not to be used in frivolous prayers that don't involve the glory, the will, the joy of God either. That's just as much using the name of God in vain as swearing. God's name to be hallowed. The joy of the Lord is the hallowing of His name. The joy of the Lord is the advancement of His kingdom. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Now there's one. If we ever truly got a dose of that bad boy, <laughs> we couldn't put curtains in here. In fact, I'm pretty sure we'd have to be in the parking lot, then a field, then a stadium. The joy of the Lord is the advancement of His kingdom. The joy of the Lord is His will being done perfectly on earth. This is starting to sound a lot like Jesus now. Because the first one there, you know, the joy of the Lord, we have a relationship with our Father. The Israelites fooled themselves saying, oh, our Father is God. Jesus said, no, your Father's the devil. But we can fool ourselves into a relationship with God. We sure can. The second one, we can even... Be whitewashed on the outside. Oh, praise the Lord. I don't say the Lord's name in vain. I appear to have a respect and a hallowing of His name, but on the inside I have nothing. I can even work at church in the Sunday school. I can help out with the youth, serve on the worship team, in the sound ministry, going door to door for the hope ministry, for the advancement of the kingdom, and not know the Lord. But this one, the joy of the Lord is His will being done perfectly on earth. Can't do this one. 
I have never met a person that can do the Lord's will perfectly. And I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful for that. Because I, I know my heart. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The joy of the Lord is in providing for and sustaining His people. I love this. Not only is He our Father who's in heaven, we revere His name. Not only do we want the kingdom to come, because that's His joy, His will to be done perfectly right away as it is on hev- in heaven and on earth. But He says next, give us today our daily bread. The joy of the Lord is providing for and sustaining His people. You were never meant to toil apart from God to receive these things. You were never meant to labor in vain and watch your money take winds and fly away. Because it does. You were meant to call upon the One who is the bread. The joy of the Lord is in providing for and sustaining for His people. The joy of the Lord is God's desire, I love this one, or I'm sorry, the joy of the Lord is forgiveness from debts. Mm-hmm. I like that. Anybody here got some debts? Anybody here got debts you can't pay? The second part is beautiful. The joy of the Lord is forgiveness from debts. And that forgiveness results in ability to forgive others. You cannot claim to have received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ if you can't forgive other people. Whether they they screw up your finances, whether they crash your cars, whether they run out on you, whether they argue with you, whether they don't trust you, whether they lie about you, whether they cheat, steal, dance to and hang around with all the people who do, You must forgive. If you cannot forgive, you're not forgiven. It doesn't work that way. The joy of the Lord is to extend forgiveness to us and then through us. Christians should be the most forgiving people on this earth, for goodness sake. The joy of the Lord is God's desire to lead us. Look in the Lord's Prayer and lead us. We don't like that one. That's no fun. And lead us. What am I, a dog that I should be led? Hmm. You disgrace dogs when you say that. Last time I checked, a dog can heal when he's told. Sometimes it takes the Lord's heal to set me still. The joy of the Lord is to lead us. His yoke is easy. Burden is light. It's okay. You can, can trust it. The joy of the Lord is to lead us not into temptation, but into safety. And last, the joy of the Lord is to deliver us from the harm of the evil one. Hallelujah. We have our family headed by the authority of God who is over heaven. He is revered, respected, renowned. He is the famous one. His kingdom is coming. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. It's coming. His joy is that His will is done perfectly. His joy is 
is done when He sustains and provides for His people and they by faith depend upon that. His joy is in the forgiveness of our debts as we forgive others. His joy is to lead us, not into temptation, but into safety. His joy is to once and for all deliver us from evil. Jesus is God's joy in every aspect of the Lord's Prayer. This is the fun part. It's where we talk about Jesus. Jesus revered God name, God's name perfectly. Jesus doesn't misuse the name of the Father. You know He's accused of that, right? You know they accuse Him of misusing God's name. Blaspheme, blaspheme how He talked about God. They said, Jesus never misused the Father's name. Never. Because Him and the Father were one. No other person can testify to the holiness of God because we're not holy. You know what happens when unholy looks upon holy? <laughs> you become burnt toast. You're done. You're consumed. I'm undone, Lord. Away from me. I'm a sinful man. Jesus, because He was holy, could look upon the exact character, nature, and person of God where you and I could not. We're not holy. Jesus worked tirelessly, even enduring death on a cross to advance the kingdom of God. He tells us to do the same. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Good times. I ain't going to lie to you there. It's hard. The world is going to rail against that. He took joy in doing the will of the Father perfectly. Thank God He did, because you and I can't do that. We can't do that. Be holy as I am holy. Ooh. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh. He gave His body and His blood to sustain us. If you don't get anything else today, please walk out with this truth. May God in His grace help you to walk out with this truth because I don't think there's any greater truth for joy in this world. He gave His body and His blood to sustain us. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the bread of life which nourishes us. Give us this day our daily bread. you got to know that God wasn't just talking about that stuff you eat. you got to know. Jesus is the bread of life and His blood is the wine of our salvation. You say, John, that doesn't sound too... doesn't sound good. Unless the blood of Christ come upon us, the wrath of God does. There's no such thing as a bloodless cross. That blood was the blood of God Almighty for you and for I. That blood is the drink of salvation to all by grace through faith who will come and believe.
when we are sustained by the bread of life, the blood of salvation, we are forever sustained and strengthened. Forever sustained and strengthened in relation to relationship to our Father because of Jesus Christ. He asked for our forgiveness and enabled us to forgive by what He accomplished with His life, death, and resurrection. That's cool. He forgives me and then He enables me so I can go, forgive you, forgive you. It's not easy sometimes. The old man rises up. I don't know if I want to forgive you yet. You made me mad. (laughs) He leads all who come to Him to the Father. Remember that in John? What does He say? I got them all here, Father. Haven't lost one, except the one who was meant to be lost. Haven't lost any. I brought them to you, Father. He leads all who come to Him to the Father, protecting them from all that would try to separate us from the love of our Father. We will be delivered. That's good news. It's joy. One day this is, this is all done. Apart from Christ, we are tempted to establish our own joy, though. This is the tough part. This is conviction. Even though we know Christ is our all in all, we are tempted to establish salvation with our own hands. However, it's like getting a box that says, Some assembly required. They should just paste the sticker on that bad boy that says, Some frustration impending. You are an idiot. You will screw this up. (laughs) My wife and I had to have pre, uh, have, had to have counseling over some of these things. Good night. Now, I tried to put it together. A little something we got here. You try to put it together only to find the directions are in Chinese. Have you ever opened that thing? You're looking at it like, good night. Well, then some Einstein figures out in some country that, well, maybe they don't speak Italian. So they, they draw pictures. And then pictures look like they were drawn by Isaac Deckard, who is three. We've heard about his skills a lot. You can't make out part A from part B. You're looking at that thing, oh, good night. Well, then you say, well, I'm going to give it the old call to try. Anyway, you got your Chinese directions. You've got your Italian pictures, cartoons or whatever they are. And you start turning. and You get done and there's a pile of stuff left on the floor. You turn that thing on, there's smoke, sparks. Which, by the way, is the uh, granddaddy of all the pleasures of some assembly required. You break the thing halfway through it. You ever done that? That is a pleasure. No. You spend two hours trying to put this Christmas gift together and get it just right. Your hat three quarters of the way through it and crack. Your wife looks at you and says, nice. Nice. Indeed. Attempting to experience the joy of the Lord in our own power is like trying to put something together that is way beyond your ability. You have no directions. You have no pictures. You have no hope of putting this thing together. (laughs) Some assembly required. 
Without directions or pictures, we plod along in our minds constructing joy and salvation when in reality we are exchanging truth for a lie. However, because of sin, I'm tempted to look at the Bible and God with my own effort in my own strength to try to achieve my own joy. It's called the joy of John. What does that look like? It's life through human eyes. It's life through a human heart. What I currently see through my eyes of less than faith, let me see. The stock market has crumbled. I know there's people out there, you have lost thousands of dollars. See ya. (laughs) The real estate market, good night. How many of us are going to lose our homes or don't have one because we got into a loan we can't afford? Now we can't get out. We're at the end of the rope going, God, what are we going to do? I see families falling apart. I see war, famine, disease, injustice, murder. And most crushing of all, most crushing of all is a lack of hope that God will one day set things right. There is no joy apart from hope. Not the joy of the Lord. No matter what we see with our eyes, if there is no hope in our hearts, we can never experience the joy of the Lord as our strength. Why? Because we're living in the world with a human heart. It's important to remember that our hearts are flawed from birth. Desperately wicked. That describes our hearts. Desperately wicked, above all, deceitful. Jeremiah 17.9. That's what it says. Desperately wicked above all deceitful. The heart unchecked by the grace of God runs with reckless abandon to despair. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that the heart unchecked by grace, the heart without hope, embraces the discouragement of circumstances Passionately. Why? It's deceitful. It's wicked. It joys in itself, in its circumstances, in the works of its hands. It doesn't joy in God. And just remember this about your heart. You're tempted to say, John, I ain't that bad. That same heart would see you plunge into the depths of hell, losing your soul forever without a second thought. It doesn't know God. When I look at this world with my human heart, I don't know God. There's a song called In the Light by a band called DC Talk. At least they they sang it. I think it was the late 90s. One of the lines from the song goes, listen to this. The disease of sin runs through my blood. It's a cancer fatal to my soul. 
Every attempt on my behalf has failed to get this sickness under control. Tell me what's going on inside of me. I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicion. I'm still a man in need of a Savior. Amen. Amen. My heart must have the hope of a Savior. Hope comes from faith in Jesus Christ. The heart of faith and the hope of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. If I'm to experience the joy of the Lord as my strength, my heart must be changed so that I can look with eyes of faith upon any circumstance and know that the joy of the Lord is my strength. God changes our heart. God changes your heart. God changes my heart. How? Grace. Grace. It is His joy to save you by giving you a new heart by the power of His Spirit so you can look with eyes of faith at the circumstances of the world hoping in Christ the joy of your salvation. Not sinfully clinging to your sorrow. Not angrily holding on to bitterness. It was never meant to be like that. It is God's joy to save you by giving you a new heart. Christ is the joy of that salvation. But why must we look with eyes of faith? Hebrews 11.6 And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Notice, you must believe that God exists. Alright, but remember, even the demons do that. They do that. They shudder in fear at the existence of God. However, we see from this verse that there's no lasting joy in the effort that does not seek God earnestly. I can't tell you how many times I have thrown up awful prayers to the Lord. They have nothing to do with His joy. Nothing. And I spout them out day after day. Oh God, help me here, help me there. Says John, advance my kingdom. Oh Lord, my car is broke. You ever think, John, I could use that to advance my kingdom? Hmm. We need faith that enables us to seek after God earnestly. But what is faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1, some of you might have this memorized. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It starts with now. Because it starts with now, you have to go back and figure out why they're saying now. It turns out in chapter 10, they're trying to tell us that 
Jesus Christ is the once and for all sacrifice for our sins. In light of that, now faith is being sure of what we hoped for. Jesus, our once and for all sacrifice. Are you sure of what you hope for? And certain of what you do not see? Jesus said in Hebrews 10, 10, 9 and 10. Then He said, Here I am. I have come to do Your will. Later on in 10, He says, By that will, we have been made holy. Don't miss that. Remember that part I said? We're not holy. We can't look upon Him. We turn into that toast thing. Bad. It says here, And by that will, that is, the will Jesus came to do, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So we hope in that truth. That can't be taken away. We believe by faith that Jesus Christ is the one sacrifice that atones for all my sins, the sins of the whole world. There can be no joy until we are free from sin by grace through faith in the hope of the sin-destroying work of Christ. Through the work of Jesus, performing the will of the Father, we have been made holy. In the holiness that comes through Jesus Christ, we will see the Lord. We will see the Lord. Grace, faith, hope, and joy in Jesus. Grace enables faith. Faith facilitates hope, which in turn elicits genuine joy in Jesus. Joy in Jesus Christ results in the joy of the Lord being your strength. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the joy of the Lord. That makes Jesus our strength. So how do we live by faith in the joy of the Lord? Because that's really the question. The answer is the Lord's Prayer. We must prayer, prayerfully depend upon the mighty work of God providing joy. Do not give up calling upon your Heavenly Father. Do not give up calling upon your Heavenly Father. Let's look at that again. Matthew 6, 9-13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The joy of the Lord is that we would have relationship with the Father and with one another. The joy of the Lord is the hallowing, the reverence, the revering of God's name. The joy of the Lord is the advancement of His kingdom. The joy of the Lord is His will being done perfectly on earth as it is in heaven. The joy of the Lord is in providing for and sustaining His people. The joy of the Lord is in forgiveness from debts and the ability to forgive our debtors. The joy of the Lord is God's desire to lead a people. 
The joy of the Lord is to deliver those people once and for all from the bonds of sin, death. God's grace conquers our sin mentally, physically, morally, spiritually, and every other Lee there is. But have you noticed that our elevators stop quite a few floors short of where God wants us to be? I mean that mentally, physically, morally, spiritually, and socially. Mentally, who can know the mind of the Lord? We must trust His Word. We must never assume we know we're not God. The fall of humanity into sin has proven that we could never be as God. The devil lied. Sadly, though He sustains our very being, we are hardly aware of His presence and provision which sustain us physically. Your next breath, that's God. Your next meal, that's God. Morally, everyone's heart is infected with the disease of sin. We can't cure it. We are in desperate need of the great physician to perform the miracle that is the new birth. Take my sinful heart, Lord. Replace it with a heart of flesh that loves you, desires you, seeks you. Spiritually, we lack even the sensitivity to shudder with fear at the existence of God. Have you heard people rail against the Lord? I mean, you step aside. It's like, wow, dude, that's the Lord you're talking about. We are able, listen to this, in the blindness of our sin to hold on to false gods, idols, fears, lusts, which drive us deeper and deeper into lusting for more destruction. (laughs) All, all, to eternal damnation of our souls. Socially, I'm going to end here. We have enslaved one another for our own gain throughout our history. Throughout our history. One nation comes over another. Another one comes over that one. Another one comes over that one. Two go over that one. Don Henley, who uh, plays with the Eagles, wrote a song called The Last Resort. This is convicting. You tell me who he's writing about. I pray it's not people who depend on God through prayer, grace, faith, hope in Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. We satisfy our endless needs and justify our bloody deeds in the name of destiny and in the name of God. He goes on, and you can see them there on Sunday morning. They stand up and they sing about what it's like up there. They call it paradise. I don't know why. You call someplace paradise and kiss it goodbye. Are we kissing it goodbye? Is our life a testimony of prayerlessness 
independence, rebellion against God? Do we stand up and sing about what it's like there and not one think that heaven's the presence of God? That's why Jesus could say the kingdom's come. His presence has come to us. Hallelujah. But there's joy, brothers and sisters. There's joy. We don't have to kiss it goodbye. We can kiss the sun. He is our Lord. He is our God. He is our Savior. He is our friend. He is our Redeemer. He is our Sustainer. He's Emmanuel. Mighty Counselor. If you call on Him, He is there. Will you pray with me?